Welcome, everybody, to episode 23 of the All Access USL podcast. We are back. Today, we have more transfer news, more transfer roundup in general, and another season review. Um, that's going to be a surprise for when we get there. I like keeping you guys in the, a little bit in the dark. Um, but yeah, that is what we have on the docket today. And a lot has honestly happened transfer-wise the last couple, like five, six days since the last episode come came out. So what we're going to do is because I wanted to get a season review into this episode. So we're going to do two episodes in two days. Tomorrow, the 29th as well, we are going to have an episode come out. Uh, which will be the rest of the transfers from the past couple of days. Anything that happens tomorrow as well will most likely be on tomorrow's episode. Um, but today we're doing a bit of catch up with that. And I also wanted to get their season review in because we have still a good amount of season reviews to do before season previews start probably mid to the end of January, which is just right around the corner. So I want to get these season reviews out as quick as I possibly can while also making sure that they're in as in-depth as possible. So we have one season review for today's episode. And like I said, we will get there when we get there. But we also have a lot of transfer um, news to get to today as well. But there's one thing I want to say beforehand and it's that this upcoming season I will for sure be at two clubs one will be in USL League One one will be in the USL Championship obviously this past season I was fortunate enough to be able to attend both a Louisville City SC game and a Detroit City FC game both were absolutely fantastic for Louisville I got to see them absolutely dismantle the New York Red Bulls two sides six nil at home so that was a great great game really showing off their attacking prowess which we all know that they have but to see it in person was something else Enosh Mushagalusa I believe had a hat trick on that night which just topped it all off and then for Detroit we got to say, see them um, play out an entertaining draw to say the least against New Mexico United two all was the final store, score which was a great game and I have to say Regardless of what condition their stadium is in, it is so, it was a fantastic time. I can't stress that enough. Detroit, I would love to go back sometime. So we'll see how that, uh, if that pans out. Maybe I'll go to more than just the two games this year. Maybe I'll go back to Louisville. Maybe I'll go back to Detroit. But the two teams I'm going to this year are different. This year, I will be going to a Lexington SC game in their first season in USL League One. I'm very excited for that. They're a bit behind. They haven't announced any signings yet as of now. They are behind Knoxville um, in the signings department. So we'll wait and see how that pans out. They still have about two months left, two to two and a half months left before things start to need to, or things need to be taking shape, I should say. And then the other side I will be seeing is the in the 11. Um, as they hope to bounce back from missing the playoffs this year. They are more than capable. Um, starting off with the signing of Cam Lindley. They did lose Manuel Arteaga, but they have arguably one of the best goalkeepers in the league. So just based off of those three things, they do seem to be in a net positive heading into the season. 
but we shall see. And they also replaced Arteaga with Guenzotti. So I think they will be fine, and I'm excited to see the Indy 11 uh, this year. So that is where I will be this season, hopefully more. If I can go even farther east, maybe see a Charleston battery game, Patriots point. I would love to see that, especially Charleston being one of the most historically rich clubs in the USL Championship. That would be a great time. I was in Charleston at some point this year, but unfortunately it was not at a point where the battery had a home game, which was disappointing, but maybe sometime in the near future that will be a possibility. Also, out west, would love to see the San Diego Loyal play. I love Torero Stadium. I love the Loyal in general. Um, not as like a supporter. I just love what they have going on there. Same with the switchbacks, with Widener Field being as brand new as it is, and with the switchbacks being on the rise that they are on. There are some most likely huge news coming out of the switchbacks camp as well, which will be a bit of a big impact uh, negatively for them, but... I think they'll be able to bounce back with the signings that they have. They're clearly gearing up for it. So if it drops, don't be surprised. I'm not really at liberty to say what it is, but I think you guys will be smart enough to know. Um, Where else? I think Charleston, Colorado Springs, and San Diego are the big places I want to go right now in terms of experience. Maybe Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a great place. Um, Love Al Lang. I don't know, maybe Phoenix, but not really drawn to it. New Mexico would definitely be a great time. I would love to be able to hit every team as soon as possible when I can. But unfortunately, this year, I only have the two on the schedule. We'll see if we can add any more. But with that being said, we do have a lot of transfers to get through for this episode. And then the season review for our certain team. But we're going to jump right into the transfers uh, Phoenix have been making moves this time. It's for Federico Varela from free agency. He spent his whole pro- professional career in Europe, 202 career appearances, 23 goals, 21 assists. Well, that's not the best. Um, and I don't think, I think that's purely because he didn't fit into the squads he's been with. And will Phoenix be the right place? Who knows? I think... Um, in terms of just players looking for who are experienced, whether it be abroad or just, I don't know, seem to be that step above the USL Championship, Phoenix is the right place to go because Phoenix is like that staple. Maybe more so than Louisville. Louisville definitely has pull, but Phoenix has that, I don't know. I'm not, there's no really way to put it without dissing Louisville, and Louisville doesn't deserve that because Louisville is clearly on a much higher level than Phoenix is, even without, I mean, both teams, Phoenix have not won a title yet, and Louisville are a couple seasons without one, but Louisville definitely have been more on a more consistent basis, seeing how Phoenix's season went this year. Um, My only other question, there's not much to talk about in terms of Varela, because he's such an unknown, um, is how well is he going to link with a finisher like Manuel Arteaga? Will he be a provider? 23 goals, 21 assists, very, very even amount of distribution of goals and assists. So capable of scoring, capable of assisting. Will he be a scorer that could cause a couple problems? Because I don't think Phoenix are necessarily looking to play with a two-man front line. Or, I mean, clearly he is a capable assister based off of his production. So he could just be that link for Manuel Arteaga. 
Will he be good enough? We'll just have to wait and see if he is a starter um, coming into this season or if it's somebody else. Uh, they did obviously lose Hurst, Kelly Street, or retirement. So they have some pieces to make up, and this seems to be one of them. It just all depends on where he plays. So, yeah, Federico Varela to Phoenix. Next up, we have Moses Dyer uh, from Valor FC to FC Tulsa from the Canadian Premier League. And I think this is easily one of the... This is a very intriguing signing because of how the Canadian Premier League is growing. Because this is a very big signing for Tulsa. This is this included a fee, as far as I've been told, this included a fee which for the Canadian Premier League is huge. Not, I'm not leaving out covering the Canadian Premier League. It could be something to cover soon. But right now, the USL Championship has my full attention. But the Canadian Premier League is growing, and Moses Dyer shows that as he heads to FC Tulsa. 21 appearances, 9 goals, 2 assists, and he is a forward. Now, obviously, FC Tulsa have Dario Suarez and Rodrigo da Costa, two very capable strikers at the USL Championship level. Uh, Dyer can play striker cam and left wing, so he's versatile, but striker is that main position. So I think it would be it's going to be intriguing to see how he fits in with Dario Suarez and Rodrigo da Costa. I, he, if he plays striker, he's very clearly not going to end see either of them. Um, but could we see Tulsa playing a two-man up top with Moses Dyer at camp? possible obviously Dyer is not exactly the most uh, reliable when it comes to being that provider he is a scorer um, I did write that it gives Tulsa flexibility up top and more opportunity more options to score goals from a variety of different positions but someone is not going to be happy with a one striker uh, formation which I will believe they will be playing obviously they're going to play the striker, and then will be either Suarez or DaCosta behind. But it it'll be interesting to see. I don't. I wonder if because I if I were Dyer, I'd be coming here expecting to play. He's a very very capable player. Um, but it'll it'll be interesting to watch. Tulsa clearly have big ambitions. I mean, the gap between um where they finished in eighth and seventh with Detroit. It was 12 points. So Tulsa clearly want to at least just bridge that gap, but also make the playoffs. And they're making some very big statement signings to do that, especially with this one. I like this a lot. So we'll see how it plays out. Don't think it'll shoot them in the foot quite like I've been putting it out to, but it's definitely something to watch because they have three very capable striker options now in only one striker position. Obviously, Suarez and Acosta can play under. Dyer, not so much as Suarez and Acosta. He can, but someone is going to be on the bench, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So, Moses Dyer from Valor FC in the Canadian Premier League to FC Tulsa. Next up, we have Juan Carlos Azacar from Deportiva La Guaira to San Antonio. 33 appearances, 10 goals, 1 assist. It was the second top goal scorer for Oakland in 2022, and it wasn't even close. Obviously, Oakland's top goal scorer was Magnus Carlsen with 19. Um, and then I believe the next closest was five under that. He's primarily a winger, but can also play right back. 
I believe San Antonio still have about three right backs. Obviously, they still have Connor Maloney. Connor Maloney, wow. That did not come out right. I believe they still have three right backs under contract with Connor Maloney being the number one option there. So I don't think he's necessarily a right back, but they also don't have a user formation that utilizes a winger. So I'm kind of questioning where he's going to play. He's a very capable finisher. He could play forward, but that's also not a position that he seems comfortable with. So I'm questioning if that's actually a option. Um, we, it seems like he will be more so a bench option because San Antonio have been fantastic this year. So we'll see how that goes. Um, they were fantastic last year. And if they can bring in players that they're capable of bringing in after winning a championship, then Azokar will be that bench option. But if they're relying on him to start at a forward position, I question how San Antonio will fare this year. They're going to be in the playoffs, I think. Probably around that second or third spot. If they can round out their team um, like they did last year, then like they ran away with the West last year. So can't really question them on their squad building. But I question this move a bit purely because he is a out-and-out winger. Obviously can't play that right back, but not necessarily his best position playing right back. Um, and it seems like they would be um, asking him to play a position that he's not comfortable with. So I'm just questioning that. So see how it goes. Juan Carlos Azagar on loan from Deportivo La Guaira to San Antonio. Uh, next up, we have Gabriel Cabral from South Georgia Tormenta to Miami FC. And this is a very, very good pickup, I think, for Miami FC. Three, 30 appearances, three goals, three assists as a CDM. Could do well with a more advanced role. Obviously, as a CDM, South Georgia Tormenta trusted him enough to be a defensive midfielder. But he also got forward and provided goals and assists, which is a fantastic thing. Even for a CDM, if you can get goals and assists from anywhere on the field, you're going to welcome it. And from CDM, that is fantastic. Miami were not exactly lacking goals, but I think they were lacking a defensive midfield presence last season. And it fills a hole that they had early in their roster building process, especially versatility-wise. I looked at their roster, who they currently have under contract, and I see a lot of players who are very one-dimensional, can play like one position, maybe two if they're lucky. Obviously, you can play anyone out of position, but it's how good they play there that is like determines actually how versatile they are, obviously. So a lot of players who do well in their one position but really can't move out of position. But Gabriel Cabral looks like he can play CDM center mid, maybe even cam if possible with those distribution qualities and that goal contribution quality as well. So I think this is a very good pickup for Miami. He can play a lot of good positions, and I think – is going to help Miami as they look to. Obviously, they did make the playoffs, but not exactly what they wanted this year. And as they look to compete with Inter-Miami, who are in the same town, I think this is a good pickup. I mean, they're never going to compete with Inter-Miami fan-wise, but in terms of success, I think Gabriel Cabral is a good pickup, and it could see Miami do better this year. So Gabriel Cabral from South Georgia Tormenta in USL League 1 to Miami FC. With that, we're going to take a quick little break and they will come back with the rest of the transfers and our season review. All right, and we are back from our little intermission. 
Um, before the little break, we talked about Gabriel Cabral from South Georgia Tormenta to Miami FC. Um, we have, I believe, just three more transfers to talk about. Um, all three very, very intriguing. And then we have our season review. So we'll jump right into the transfers. The first one is Devin Speedy Williams from Miami FC to the Colorado Springs switchbacks. 28 appearances for Miami FC with no goals or assists. He can play all throughout the midfield, which is a bit of a, I mean, not even a bit, a very disappointing season for Williams. Not being able to register a goal or assist in his 28 appearances is not great. He can obviously find more, I think, more success with the switchbacks. They do play more free-flowing attacking football, I would say, than Miami FC. And they did have an incredible attack in the West last season. But I don't really necessarily think Williams will start purely based off of the other options that they have and his output, which was not good in this past season. Um, But I could be wrong. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say it. it seems like Elvis Amo could be on the move from the Colorado Springs switchbacks. Not sure where, but it seems like a big fee. So they're clearly gearing up on that left side. Williams is one of those options, but don't think he will be the starter. He does have exposure to the switchbacks tactics, which could allow him to be a better provider. whilst also keeping his defensive abilities and he could slot into any central midfield role. For the switchbacks, but I don't see him being a necessary starter. They did lose Cam Lindley as well. Cam Lindley as well. He could fit in there, but again, not so sure. That's even that even be a great position for him. Not sure he's much of a CDM option, but we'll see how it plays out with the switchbacks, um, and hopefully he can pick it up this year. Next up, we have Connor Sparrow from Miami FC to the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Twenty-three appearances. With Miami in 2022, 21 goals conceded, less than a goal a game, and 12 clean sheets, which is incredible stuff. Definitely a top goalkeeper in the league, up there with Sean Lewis at Indy. So to see him making the move across to the Tampa Bay Rowdies is insane. Miami have a big hole to fill in goal now. 19th in saves made in 2022 with 11 games missed. Obviously, 34 games available. Only started 23. Um, 66 saves, which got him 19th in saves. Tied for third in clean sheets with just the 23 appearances. Obvious starter over a Rosarina. A Rosarina is a serviceable backup, but in no way is he a starter. He was not that good when he was the starter um, early on this past season. And I can see Connor Sparrow putting Tampa Bay into early contention for first in the East all by himself. He is that good as a goalkeeper. Um, And I'm very excited to see how he elevates this Tampa Bay Rowdies team um, after this past season that they had, which was pretty good. But they are going to be looking for so much better. I think they're still reeling over that opportunity that they missed out in 2020 in the final. I think... That based off of Phoenix's issues in the USL playoffs, I think Tampa Bay would have won in 2020. And I think they're kicking themselves over it. And I think Connor Sparrow is definitely one of the pieces that will help them get back to where they want to be in the final and hopefully lifting the trophy. So see how it goes. Excited. Connor Sparrow from Miami FC to the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And they also picked up Freddie Kleeman 
from Austin FC slash free agency. It was a free transfer just for 2023 as far as I know. Um, not too much to say about Freddie Kleeman, a young center back that Austin picked up from the MLS Super Draft. Hasn't played much. He's a good, serviceable center back. Might start from the get-go, not too sure. Um, I could see him turning into another Forrest Lasso. Maybe he goes back up to MLS after a couple years. Can't exactly cut it there. Then comes back down and is a great center back in the USL Championship. But he could just start out and stay in the USL Championship for the majority of his career. So we'll see. I think he will be a good option. But he still is a bit of a raw talent. And still needs some game time for sure. But I like to pick up um, in the long run. And then the last transfer... For today's episode is Alejandro Fuenmayor leaves Oakland for Phoenix, re-joining um, up with Juan Guerra. 28 appearances, 3 assists. He can play both center back roles, so 3 assists from the center back role is huge, and right back. Decent MLX experience from RGV and the Houston Dynamo. He was decent with Oakland, obviously Oakland made the playoffs, and he will be familiar, obviously, with Juan Guerra and his tactics. So, Juan Guerra bringing in a lot of familiarity with players, um, obviously, with Juan Mayar now. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays. Juan Guerra has some great tactics. Um, very into the build-up kind of play, whilst Phoenix will find any way to just get forward because of the pure talent that they have. So Juan Mayar is definitely a good player to help fit, fit Guerra's system uh, this upcoming season. So I think we're seeing Phoenix shift from a team who will just find any way to score now into a team that wants to build up and break teams down. But I think if they can keep that um, streamline of just bringing in huge, talented players, then we we'll could see them become even more of a just beast of a team than we've ever seen them. Could take more than this season. I'm still questioning how they're going to do this season, but I think they're on the road to being back. And I like this pickup for sure. So Alejandro Fuenmayor from Oakland to Phoenix. And that rounds up our transfers to, for today's episode. A lot that we went through. The big transfer, trans, transfer, wow, can't get words out today apparently. The big transfer for tomorrow's episode, I'm sure it will come with no surprise. It will be Dylan Mares from El Paso to Louisville, which is a huge signing a huge loss for El Paso and a huge pickup for Louisville. So we'll get to that tomorrow. And then before we get to our season review, we, I, oh, I have, I have one more thing to say, and it's that expect most likely next week, the um, big outgoings episode where I go through in detail of all the big departures that we have seen so far. So yeah, that will be out most likely next week because i'm just letting them rack up obviously teams are still disassembling and bringing in new players hoping to build for 2023 so things are still happening players are still moving obviously mars huge departure that'll be that won't be on there because we're talking about it here it'll most likely be um departures from the league outside of the league that'll most likely be what it is so either lower to usl league one or just out abroad or up to mls even so that is what to expect for next week. But with that, let's jump in onto our season review. It is for none other than Detroit City FC. 
And I think we have to talk about first how they finished seventh in their first season. One of the best inaugural seasons we have seen from a expansion team. I don't know what I really expected this upcoming season. I Well, I do know what I expected. I'm pretty sure in my preseason preview, all the way back in January or February, I flat out said that I don't think they'll make the playoffs. They were building an in, a interesting team. I like the hope and no pickup. I think everybody liked the hope and no pickup. He's a serviceable, serviceable player. And he's going to be still probably very good with Hartford. But it seems like their focal point. Maxi Rodriguez was a good option as well. He turned out to be their most, uh, their or their best goal contributor overall this season. But I don't think we all thought that they had what it takes. They brought in a lot of NS- NASL guys that they had. They brought in a lot of just players that they were familiar with. And I don't think we knew how they were going to fit in in the USL Championship. And lo and behold, that they finished seventh in their opening season, 12 points clear of FC Tulsa in eighth, which is still huge. Like, it wasn't really like, yes, they're on the verge of not being in, but at what point is it really a verge when the point gap is that big? They were still a very good team in the East, and they showed that. Um, and I also think a huge part was the rise of Nate Steinwasher as a potential top seven or eight goalkeeper in the league. He stood on his head so many times this year for Detroit City because Detroit were not a high goal scoring team. They were a low conceding team and a low scoring team. We'll get to that in a second, but just in general, that's what they were and that's what they wanted to be. So, and he helped build that incredibly by just being not only a good shot stopper, but a good distributor. They really did build out of the back with Steinwasher and Gold, which was incredible to watch. How they actually had a tactical plan in their first season with players who some had played together, but some knew, like, building this inaugural roster, you think it could be a bit of a shit show at the beginning. It was not. They were, they knew what they wanted to do from the very beginning, and they played like that. So, big props to Detroit there. And a 3-4-2-1 formation... It allows for lots of space on the wings because there are no wingers, but they, well, they do have these, I guess, mids, but they also can play more of just regular center mids. So it's almost like they're playing with four center mids sometimes because they play so inside, but it leaves a lot of space. So you think, well, that leaves a lot of space for the other team, but they countered that so well because the back three were able to spread across the field so easily whilst also being aware of runs being made in the box. It was a perfect combination. And they also allowed Hopeno to do what he does best, which is to work in tight spaces centrally. He was that right attacking mid, but he played centrally a lot, which was a fan, just exactly what he needed. Um, Can they build on the season? I think so. I like the transfers they made. We'll get to that in a second. The in-depth stats tied for second with Louisville for least goals conceded in 2022. Playing three at the back, like I said, pretty crazy that they were able to do that. It can be risky, but they found that balance of playing high and defending well, especially defending on the counter because you're going to be countered a lot if you're playing a three at the back because you're probably playing high. But they also had that midfield, that four-man midfield, and also that three-man attack, which just 
blossomed beautifully. There were some games where they were questionable, but I think this year with next year with this season under their belt, they're going to be just that much better. Uh, 20th in goal scored though with 45, which is still more than a goal a game. Top goal score, Maxi Rodriguez with nine with nobody else on the immediate list. Uh, Connor Rutz, who was there forward for most of the season, not able to put up numbers. Can Skage Simonson help ease some of that, ease some of that pressure? Don't know. Two goals, seven assists with Loudon. Um, maybe in a team that has, I mean, I'm going to say obviously, but maybe it's not that obvious, but well, definitely has more quality than Loudon United. Can Skage be that number one striker? Possibly. He seems more of a uh, distributor from behind. So maybe that helps out Connor Rutz as well, but maybe he is that option up top that helps them score more goals and win more games because a lot of draws this season is what held them back a little bit. So 2023 will be an interesting year attacking wise and direction wise, because they're obviously going to keep that three, four, two, one. It treated them well this year. It's just, can they score a goal? Can they find that number one goal scorer? Seems like Skage will be that guy that they've picked out. But who knows? Maybe they will find that number one goal scorer because they need someone. If they want to push up the table, they need someone to at least hit double-digit goals, let alone just more than nine. They need 10, probably 14 or 15 if they want to be at least fifth or fourth for sure. So Detroit, very good opening season. I think they're going to do better next year should they find that striker. That will push them forward. With that, that is it for today's episode. Tomorrow, we'll be back with more transfers and another season review. Um, With that one, we'll probably go... I think tomorrow we should go with the Colorado Springs switchbacks. I think that is what to expect because we have... They have, just in general, a lot to talk about from this past season. Be very... Very good segment. So stay tuned for that. I will see you guys tomorrow for that episode.